How are you? How many of you ate too much? No. <laughs> How many of you had a good time? I hope you had a good time with family and uh, friends. You found somebody to celebrate with. And uh, we're nice to see the Milo's back. Hallelujah. Been on travels. Yeah, all of you. Good to see you. Hallelujah. I am sure that God is glad that you showed up today. So I'm going to begin a series called Who Am I? Who is the Church? We've been talking about transformation. It's really a continuation of the same sermon, but uh, we will uh, move into deeper things, what the scripture says about us. So let's pray. Amen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get you to wake up, okay? I'm, 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 I'm working on it. I really, really am. So Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you love us. You are passionate about us. That's why I love the name of this church because it, it, it reflects your heart. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us today. There are some things that we have to uh, uproot and destroy, as the prophet Jeremiah said. There are some things we've held on to that uh, we have not even thought about or reflected on that are demonically crafted, hallelujah, and must be destroyed and replaced with the eternal truth of the word of God. You said we would know the truth, and the truth would set us free. So I'm asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm asking for you to move with power amongst us today in the time we have remaining. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So it's 11.28. That's not too bad. That gives me 36 minutes, hallelujah, before somebody gives me, uh, you know, signs and wonders or something like that. <laughs> Isn't that what they do? That's what we always say. What are... What's that? Just preach, he says. Okay, I like that. I like that. You know, in Peru, they preach a long time. <laughs> so that's dangerous. He's, I, I just found out that he's from Peru today. He's one of my... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend from South Africa, uh, Foursquare Missionary, they invited him to preach. There were five preachers, and they had them all sitting up on the platform. He preached for 20 minutes because that's what he learned in America. And, you know, plus uh, he thought, well, the five preachers, they're going to get tired. So he preached for 20 minutes. If you can imagine, in Africa, that's just unheard of. That's, a, that's an introduction. And then he sat down, and the, the host pastor looked at him and said, what are you doing? He said, so I preached. He's like, he just got up, just gave him a terrible look. And, of disdain and <laughs> continued to preach for about two and a half hours. And then, you know, the next guy came and the next guy and the next guy. It's just the way we do it in Africa. So, yeah. But I won't do that to you. I, I'm, uh, when, when in China, you do as the Chinese, right? So, so the question, I, I, I asked you in the beginning, what is your relationship to the word of God? Will, will you allow the word of God to direct and dictate who you are? Will you allow the word of God to replace, to set you free from wrong thinking? Renewing of the mind brings transformation in our lives. It's our biggest problem. Faith doesn't, isn't in the mind, it's in our spirit. But our mind will keep us from either receiving the things of faith and, and allowing them to flow in our lives or not. And, and so we need to understand what scripture says. And, and it's the revelation Revelation means to unveil. Literally, there's a, there's a veil. Re Revelation is like this. It's like all of a sudden that wall is removed 
and there's a whole nother world over there, and you go, oh, I didn't know that was there. That's what revelation is. It means to, to unveil. The painter unveils his painting. It's revealed to the public, and they go, oh, because it's the first time that they saw it. So we have to believe, I believe, there's new revelation for us. Amen. I'm going to go over some old scriptures, but, but I believe that there's new revelation for us in, in the old scriptures. And so who am I to God? Because if, if we understand that, we won't struggle so much. I, I, I love the prayer for uh, evangelism, for us to do everything that God has called us to do, and yet I believe that first, if we're set free from old concepts about ourselves and understand who we are through his eyes, then we will naturally do the things that we've been called to do. If, he'll, uh, if we carry his presence, because the Bible says, I made a list, I made a list of over 25 things very quickly of who we are, and I don't have time to go through each of those, so I have 25 sermons on who we are, okay? But I'm only gonna highlight a few of them. But the, the Bible says that we are vessels of his glory. Now, he, he chose to place his glory in vulnerable, fragile vessels. We had, uh, in the beginning, end of, November, end of October, so a couple of the preachers said that we were just broken people. He's right, they're right. Uh, uh, but but that, that is God's design. He, he didn't send Jesus to the cross for the big, powerful, righteous ones. He sent them for little old you and me. We're fragile vessels, and, and it's so that the, the glory would be his. And it's so that the faith of the people would not be in our words, but in the power of God. There, there there's a, there's, really is a God in heaven, and he really does move by power. He still heals the sick. He still cleanses the leper. He still raises the dead. He's been doing it in our midst. We have some tremendous testimonies here, and we have testimonies from all over the world. There are more people raised from the dead than any time in history, than, than the time of Jesus. There are people that have raised more people from the dead from Jesus, and that's not than Jesus, that's not blasphemous, because he said, the works that I do, you will do, and even greater works than these. So, who, who am I? Moses asked that question, who am I? <laughs> and God didn't answer it. He said, I will be with you. Because for God, that's the only thing that mattered. Who are you? You're the one that God goes with. When, when he comes, God comes. Where he goes, God goes. But he, he will be with you. He goes before you to fight your battle. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 says, he goes with you to fight your battle for you to give you the victory. Wow. He doesn't move in an environment of unbelief, usually. So that's, in case somebody's got an argument, well, how come? You missed the whole point. It, it is by faith that we embrace the word, and as we do, he moves. As we do, we see results. As we do, we're set free from wrong thinking. Hallelujah. So it is his presence that defines who we are. His nature defines who we are. You're going to have to adjust your thinking because he's a lot better than you think he is. 
He really, really is. He's a lot, lot, lot better than you think he is. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on this because I have this, this kind of expectations. It's part of that noise that I talked about last week. You know, it's just there. This kind of like, you know, something bad's going to happen. It, it, it's part of the design of life. Some of us say those things. Some of us just believe it without even saying it, without saying it. But, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's not God's design. Because he is the one who goes with us and fights our battles for us. And he wants to walk with us. And he's calling us. He's calling us by name to walk with him. Jesus was attacked in the same way we are. He said, if, if you have an enemy, if you are the son of God, then command this stone to become bread. If, he knew he was hungry, he knew he was vulnerable. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from this pinnacle. And Jesus answered, as every one of us must answer, it is written. The devil even quoted scripture to him to make him really believe that it was God. That's for those of you that are impressed by people who quote scripture to you. <laughs> so the first, um, the first thing I want to bring to you as we, as we talk about who we are is this. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are accepted just the way you are. Nothing you do, nothing you have done, and nothing, no, no wickedness, nothing people have said about you, nothing that happened in your childhood changes the fact that Jesus laid down his life for you and he loves you. Zephaniah 3.17, amen, amen. Zephaniah 3.17, this is the New King James Version, and I looked this up in Hebrew, so I decided not to go into all the words there, uh, but, but it's very well supported. The, the original text is very well supported and translated very well in, in many translations. The Lord your God, the Lord your God is in your midst. He's right here right now today. I, I don't want to talk about him as if he's not here. The mighty one will save. That, one, that word mighty one means warrior, a valiant warrior or a hero, okay? And he will rejoice over you with gladness. There's a, there's a root of one of these words that, that means spinning, so some people have uh, said that that means that he actually dances over us. There's one translation that says he dances over us with rejoicing. Now, I think about every one of my children when they were born, I got super, super excited. So I think that's a little bit like God. I'm not, I'm not like God, but I, I think there's, a, but I was made in his image and likeness. So I, I think that it helps me understand the excitement in God's heart. There was a day that each of you, each of us came into this world and he was excited about it and he rejoiced over us. In the uh, New American Standard Bible, it says it this way. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with joy. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God rejoices over you. He actually likes the place that you stay. He likes your home, whether it's a a big, nice, luxurious home or a little tiny room somewhere. He loves that place. He loves to see his child lay down his head, her head, 
on that pillow. He loves the prayer. My sister said something interesting to me once that always stayed with me. She said, your prayer comforts God. And, and that's been a growing revelation because I, I didn't ever think I really prayed very well as if there were such a thing. We, we admire long, flowery, poetic, majestic prayers. But he said, your prayer comforts God. Think about it. The smallest, I love to hear little children pray, youth, just people who are brand new in the, the things of God, because nowhere else does he hear the righteousness, the voice of, uh, advocating for the injustices. Nowhere else is, there's a, there's a world of evil as he looks upon the, the earth, and here, little old you and little old me were praying, oh God, your kingdom, oh God, this, look at this, look at this, how she's suffering. Look at help. And so, so our prayer reflects who he is. Our prayer is a joining with him in who he is. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. I'm giving you every week a verse to meditate on. Uh, some of us want to study all the different ways he loves us. We want to study everything we are to him. We're the bride of Christ. We're the vessel of his glory. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're ambassadors for Christ. But I don't think that that's the best way to get healed. And I don't think that's the best way for us to get the word of God in us. I think one verse. So you choose one verse. For God so loved Mark. So for God so loved Kelly. For God so loved me. He loves you. Perfect love casts out all fear. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Why don't you just do this like this? Just, just give yourself a hug and, and receive that from Jesus. Because he really, really, really does love you. And his love is not changed because you suddenly become a very good person. <laughs> or you have failed to become a very good person. Which most of us, part of that noise is, you know, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't study enough, I didn't read enough, I didn't pray enough, I didn't do this, I, I was kind of harsh, I was kind of impatient with my children, I was kind of, and we have a list that goes on and on and on, unending list of things that make us feel inadequate and unqualified. Moses God did not allow him to look at himself. Had he looked at himself, he would have fallen into the same lie that you and I fall into. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. I'm unqualified. I stutter. He just said, I will go with you. That is what matters. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He goes with you. My vision for church is that, uh, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself because this series is called Who Am I, Who is Church? Okay, but uh, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 3, I believe, that uh, a dwelling place for Holy Spirit. And it says, and I think in 1 Corinthians 4, but we'll, we'll get to those verses later because they're, they're kind of centered on, on what I want to bring 
uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, he says there that we are fragile vessels, I mentioned it before, vessels of his glory. And, and so as far as evangelism go, goes, uh, my best evangelistic efforts have been without words and without trying. And I, I try to, and I use words to often failing, or at least I feel like I'm failing. Uh, somehow God maybe is able to use those words most of the time, at least some of the time. But so, so many times, people have just come because of the presence of God. And they said, you have something. I want what you have. And I, and I, and I want all of us here at Passion Church to carry that, to carry that. With all of our imperfections, with all of our dysfunction, with all of our, you know, one of the healthiest things for, especially for, for preachers or anybody in ministry or any Christian is just to say, I, I don't know. <laughs> try, try it. I don't know. <laughs> Instead of thinking that we have to have all the answers. Yeah? Do you ever feel like, well, you know, I just don't know how to explain things right. Well, I really don't know that much of the word. Well, what if they ask something that I don't have the answer for? Just, I don't know. I said that to somebody the other day, and I felt like she, was, she really wanted an answer. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> but I, 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 can't, I can't make something up that I don't know. And, and, and I don't, I'm not doing anything for her if I make something up. And it's not really the truth. <laughs> and she needs to know that I'm not aligning myself to help her because I know everything. <laughs> but I'm just a, a willing vessel. So, uh, hallelujah. I love that, that song, um, Laura, what's her name? Laura Daigle? Am I saying that? Daigle? I, I, I wish I could remember the words to it. Do you remember the words to it? Everything, you know, yeah, yeah. What does it say? You say, um, yeah, 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 yeah. If you haven't heard that song, you need to look for that song. That's a, we, we saw, actually, the, there was a girl leading in Peru in the refugee camp, 1,200 people. And um, she started singing that, and she'd never, never done that. And I said, I just want you to sing that one, that one line. And oh, my goodness, we had revival. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. It was so, and it changed her life because she'd never, she'd never led that way prophetically. Just, it was, it was powerful. And then I had her sing the prophetic song over the people. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, You are the apple of his eye. You are highly esteemed. You are his treasure. But again, I recommend that you grasp onto one of those. Okay? Um, I think I have a Matthew. I want that verse from Matthew 13, 44. If you could put that up, please. This is Jesus telling us, he gives us a series of parables, telling us this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And if you don't understand what he's saying, it might not make sense. He says it's like a treasure hidden in a field. That's you and that's me. Which a man found and hid. He didn't want anybody else to find the treasure. And for joy over it, he goes and sells 
all that he has, and he buys the field to get the treasure. Buried in the field. I was that treasure like a, a diamond buried in a lot of mud. A lot of dirt to clean off. And uh, he went and he sold everything that he had. He, he didn't hold back anything. He gave his all to purchase the field. It's called redemption. It's called, we're redeemed. It means to buy back. To buy back what has been sold. So that's what it is. He bought us back, and that's us. But it's not because we're so pretty or so handsome or so good or so righteous. It has nothing to do with how good we look or how good we act or the family we came from or any of those things. It has to do with who you are to him. And that's what I'm asking him to reveal to you today. 1990, I placed a baby in adoption with a couple from the U.S., from Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, the baby's mother had come to us. She had three other children, and she couldn't. She said, I just can't. They're starving. The Peru was really torn up in, in that time. We were talking about Sendero Luminoso, terrorism. And um, she had tried to abort the baby. I'll spare you the details. But the baby survived. But when he was born, premature, literally we would walk around the house because there were no respiratory. He should have been on a, a respirator. But we would walk around the house with this little tiny, he was really tiny, little tiny two-pound, less than two pounds uh, thing because that's what it looked at, you know. Knowing, knowing he's, a, he's a child that God had brought into this earth that allowed to survive. And we say, breathe, breathe, because he wouldn't breathe. And we're, we're literally, in the name of Jesus, day and night, we didn't leave him alone because he wasn't breathing. And he survived. But he looked terrible. He didn't look human. And I, you know, when, when people spend a lot of money for, a, for an adoption. You know, we adopted a girl. I can tell you, um, adoption is not an easy process anywhere. And uh, they spend a lot of money and a lot of uh, emotional, they're invested emotionally. And I'm thinking, who's going to want this baby? They spend all this money. And I was, I was ashamed. I was really worried that the adoptive parents that they had prepared stateside to come down wouldn't receive the child. And, um, and I'm looking at him and I said, God, forgive me, you know, because I'm th my thought was, my reaction in, in my humanity was, this doesn't even look human, you know, he doesn't look, he looked terrible. You know, I won't say more than that. Um, hallelujah. I put more detail in my book and then a friend of mine said, you need to take that out because somebody might, re he might read it and it might not sound good. But um, the, the couple comes and he, he didn't sleep well at night. He, would, he had nightmares. He, would, he had very fitful sleep, and he'd scream. And um, the child was, was sickly. He didn't look good at all. This is the middle of terrorism. There was very little medical uh, attention in the jungle in Peru. And uh, this couple comes. I pick them up at the airport. I show them this, a few sites on the way and this and that. We'd come to the house. I show them the house. And they're, they're like, can we see the baby? Can we see the baby? And I'm putting it off because I'm fearing their reaction to this child that they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars and much investment to, to see. 
So I, I knew I couldn't put it off any longer, and I said, told the cook to bring the baby, and uh, she brings the little, his name was Samuel because of uh, Samuel the prophet. Samuel, she brings him, and I'm thinking, she's got him covered up. I'm thinking, keep him covered up. I don't want to see Terrible. I mean, I repented. Believe me, I'm 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 conflicted. I'm just like, I think God forgive me. This is your your child is created in your image and likeness, and uh, they received that baby, and they knelt down. They said, "We want to give thanks to the Lord," and they knelt down. They lifted the baby up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. With tears streaming down their face, and they just loved that boy to death. Just loved him. And they, they prayed over him day and night. He started filling out. He started sleeping peacefully. And today, he is a strong, handsome boy. I saw him when he was four. He was, um, that's a whole nother story. Um, I, we went down, what was it, about two years ago? And if you go on my Facebook page, you'll see a picture of his mother. She found us uh, through a poster. Her grandson saw a poster and the mother who had tried to abort him came to see us, and, and we had a wonderful reunion with her. And this boy, Samuel, had gone to visit her three times already, three times down there. He had to do a lot of research to find her. You know, he had to, he had to go through different channels to find her because we had all lost contact with each other. And so back in the circle, uh, we'd been accused of, you know, placing babies in adoption because we were selling them for body parts and all, all kinds of horrendous stuff. Uh, so, but this couple loved that child. They loved him, they loved him, they loved him. Not because he was handsome, good-looking, healthy, strong, had great potential or anything, just because he was theirs. And you and I, the Bible says, have been adopted into his family. Ron Mel tells a story of a man who loved to go to garage sales. And, uh, you know, we say garage sales. I'm from Wisconsin, so uh, yard sales. I don't know, what do, we, what do we call them here? The, the swap meets and all that. And his wife hated it because he'd always bring home junk, you know. And he uh, found he was in this one place, and he looked in the, the garage, the, the guy that had things he was selling out in the yard, and he looked in the garage, and he says, and that, how much you want for that? It was an old motorcycle covered with dust and cobwebs. He says, oh, you don't want that. He says, that's a piece of junk. He says, come on, come on. He says, no. he says how much you want? Okay, if you want to take it, I'll give you, give me $35. So for $35, he brings this home, old motorcycle home. It was a Harley-Davidson Harley shovelhead. And I'm going to tell this story uh, quickly. He... Uh, Began to, his wife was furious with him. You know, what are we going to do with that? More junk. He started looking for parts for it, so he calls Milwaukee, where the Harley-Davidson factory is, and he started looking for parts, and he described, he gave the serial number, described it and everything like that, and the man said, could you hold the phone for a minute? And he was almost 10 minutes before he came back to the phone. And he said, um, could you tell us this, this, and this, and that? And he says, and I want you to lift up the seat. And he lifted up the seat on the motorcycle, and it said, the king. <laughs> it belonged to Elvis Presley. He ended up giving that motorcycle to 
uh, a museum, but he had offers for 15 and 18 million dollars. The value isn't in the condition of the old bike. And it's not in your condition either. It's in who you belong to. And you are mine, says the Lord. You are mine, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the, I guess it's a day to tell stories. So I'm watching time and I'm watching, uh, hallelujah. But I have to tell one more story, and that's the story of the prodigal son, because that is you and me. As that boy came home to his father, he walked very, very slowly, dragging his feet, because he was sure that his father would not accept him as a son any longer. And the difference between a son and a servant is a son has an inheritance and a servant doesn't. And he was rehearsing what he would say to the father, just accept me as one of your servants so I have a place to stay. And he's walking slowly, head down. I'm sure he was rehearsing everything that he had done wrong in his life and how his brother had it better and all the things that you and I do because we see the grass is always greener on the other side and everyone else has it better than we do. To his surprise, the father was waiting outside of the house. It's the only way the Bible simply says that he saw him coming from afar. He had to have been waiting outside of the house. He saw him and he ran. He got so excited, he ran to him. And that's your father. He is running to you. He's not just accepting you. He's not just like, well, you know, you're okay. It's like, but you really messed up with this. He is running to you because he's excited about you. And that father threw himself on that boy and covered him with kisses. He loves you. He's excited about you. He loves you, my brother, my sister. Hallelujah. I want you to hear it in your spirit. So let's uproot... The prophet Jeremiah was called, as we are, to uproot and destroy certain things. As I said in the beginning, there are some things we've held on to from childhood that we've never questioned, and they were demonically crafted against us because the devil has not wanted you to understand who you are from the beginning. You are amazing. You were made in his image and likeness. You were called to do awesome things. Uh, those that know their God Daniel 11.32 says, will do great exploits. They will be strong and they will do great exploits. So that's you and me. Hallelujah. You are loved. For God so loved. Yeah, and you're part of that. That he gave his only begotten son. Yeah, amen. He gave him for you. He gave, if there were only one of us, he would have done it. He would have done it. Hallelujah. So I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to read this prayer from Ephesians 3.14. I think they have it up there on the screen. And I'm going to ask the, I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to speak this to you. I'm going to ask that the love of God would be shed abroad in your heart. 
For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody praying. From who the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant according to the riches of his glory to you to be strengthened with might through Holy Spirit in the inner man. Why? That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. That he would dwell there. That he would inhabit those deep places in your life. That he would reveal himself to you. That he would strengthen you. That he would heal you. That he would go deeper. Deeper, deeper, deeper. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him, but to those who received him, he gave the right, the authority, the power to become children of God. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Would you receive those words in your spirit? Would you begin to renounce the rejection, the things people said about you, the way you were treated? Begin to renounce it. That's not me. That's not the love of the Father. That's not who I am. I renounce that. I renounce the angry words. I renounce the criticism. I renounce the hatred. I renounce the violence. In the name of Jesus, I command it out of me. This is a time of deliverance. This is a time of healing. This is a time of restoration. Father, we thank you for your love that is shed abroad in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that we are rooted and grounded in your love. We thank you that your love is perfect love. We thank you that that love has cast out all fear. We renounce the fear of man. We renounce the fear of, uh, of opinions and judgment. In the name of Jesus, break, Lord, the demonic strongholds. Break, break the wrong thinking. Lord, give us grace to embrace your word and what your word says about us. We are the treasure in the field. We have been bought at the price of blood. We belong to him. You are mine, says the Lord. When you walk through the waters, you will not be drowned. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I will be with you. That is the word of the Lord for us, church. That is who he is. And that's who you are now as his child, his son, his daughter. You have an inheritance. Forever and ever and ever you will be with him and he will be with you. I bless you in the wonderful name of Jesus. If you're struggling with who you are, come to the altar. Come to the altar. The Lord is moving We've got a wonderful prayer team ready to pray with you, to agree with you, to help you get that healing and that breakthrough that you need. So God bless you richly. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. You are loved. We will continue next week. 
understanding what Scripture says about you and me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.